As many of you know, I am an avid dog lover. However, I didn't get my first dog until I was in my mid-30s. Daisy was a puppy, a golden retriever who came into our lives because our youngest daughter, Emmy, loved animals and we decided that this kid needed a dog in her life. And of course, just like children, when you get an animal, you imagine that they are going to be perfectly behaved. And yet, as we soon learned, Daisy was ruled by her stomach. And despite all our best attempts to keep her off and to, to reward her when she got down, she was an infamous counter surfer. You couldn't leave anything out when Daisy was in the house. In fact, one time we took her over to friend's house and everyone uh, joyfully agreed that they would bring their dogs. And so the, the dogs ran around the house together and around the yard and we had a lovely dinner. And then we went out into the kitchen to get our dessert. And it turned out that a quarter of the apple pie that someone had brought was gone. And that wasn't the first or only apple pie that Daisy ate. Her appetite was insatiable. Of course, I now have a Bernese Mountain Dog who also loves to counter surf. And I also have a tiny little uh, 10 pound mutt named Beatrice. And so she now can get the lower levels, whereas Holly, the big dog, can get the higher levels. And so I have to watch constantly not to leave any temptation out for those dogs because they cannot resist. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This line in the Lord's Prayer is such an interesting line, isn't it? It is almost the line of of a puppy or of a little child or of someone just looking at us with big eyes saying, I really can't help, help myself. And so, so please just remove the temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Acknowledges that we're prone to appetites that we sometimes can't control. We're prone to appetites that sometimes get in the way of our best interest and no matter our intentions we sometimes have a hard time staying away from trouble and we are in need of help there's such a childlikeness to this prayer almost as in god you have to do the work to get me away from this temptation because i can't do it myself so that so that when we get into temptation or when we're tempted and we give in, it's like, God made me do it. I couldn't help myself. Now, I don't really think God leads us into temptation. In fact, um, in the book of James, later in the Bible, it actually says God does not tempt us. I don't think God is, is tempting us to test us. Um, there can be such good, such um, there can be good things that come out of the test that we endure and encounter, things we learn about ourselves, but God isn't actively tempting us. But I think what we're really praying when we ask this prayer is, don't give me more than I can handle. Give me the strength to, to understand what's happening and make the best choice. And this prayer for God 
to lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil is a powerful prayer. It's not just recognizing that, that God should get, out, get us out of trouble. It's also recognizing when we actually are in trouble. So when we take this, this prayer a step further beyond the, childish, the childishness of the prayer, which, which indeed is there, there's a sense in which we're acknowledging when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that we're, we're doing our work. We're, um, as they say in psychological circles, we, we do our work, we understand who we are and where we are prone. It's very similar to the first step in Alcoholics Anonymous when they say, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. That's very much the, I think, the impulse of this lead us not into temptation prayer. It's a way of, of knowing that, that we are addicted to certain things, that we admit our powerlessness. Gerald May says, addiction sidetracks and eclipses the energy of our deepest, truest desire for love and goodness. Addiction sidetracks and eclipses the energy of our deepest, truest desire for love and goodness. So whatever sidetracks you, whatever catches your eye, whatever tempts you, that is your addiction. That is your point of, of where you need to be aware that you are getting into trouble. This thought is one of the reasons why I love the system of the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a, an ancient way of understanding the human condition. There are many uh, theories on where the Enneagram uh, began, but uh, the one I love is that it began with the Desert Fathers who were mentoring young monks that were in their care out in the desert, and they began to notice that there were nine different ways that, that the, these young monks tended to act. And so the Enneagram was something that they developed that helped the monks, the young monks, understand who they were and helped those desert fathers know how to counsel and help them move deeper into their spiritual lives. We're going to be offering a course on the Enneagram this fall and I'm, I'm really excited about it. I hope you'll consider taking it because it's been one of the most helpful things for me in so many ways, but particularly around this prayer. It helps me know myself well enough to know where I get tripped up. I know that I have a, a unique way in which that happens. The Enneagram is, is just a number system and, and I identify as a, a type four. And in a type four, um, kind of known as the most dramatic type on the Enneagram, um, but, the, but the ways that Enneagram fours get tripped up is through envy is through thinking the grass is greener on the other side, of focusing on what I'm missing, of comparing myself to others and assuming that everyone else has it better than me. And knowing that about myself has been so helpful 
Because when I find myself kind of daydreaming or thinking, gosh, you know, my life would be so much better if only I could live in Paris. I know when I start getting into those kinds of thoughts that I'm, I'm starting to get tripped up. I'm starting to get tempted. I'm starting to get away from, from who I truly am. And so, and so whether it's the Enneagram, whether it's AA, whether it's just um, any way that, that you begin to know yourself and know who you are, there's a way in which this prayer can lead us into knowing what our temptation actually is. Where are our stumbling blocks as individuals? The Apostle Paul certainly had this understanding when he said in Romans 7, I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, he says, but the sin that dwells in me. What an amazing spiritual insight he has, right? That it's not, it's not his true self that is acting against his own well-being and against the well-being of others. It's, it's not his true self that's falling in tempt, into temptation. It's this, this other way of being in him that's developed over time, both through choices and through his own birth. And so, so he's... He's admitting in this uh, text that, as you do in AA, I am powerless against these deeper impulses in myself. I get tempted, and I need to pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. W.H. Auden said, we would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of the present and let our illusions die. This is the journey, isn't it? Because as much as we don't like our addictions, as much as we don't like our attachments sometimes, we are attached to them. And they are ways of being that, that take sometimes, often, always maybe, a lifetime to undo. So this is where this prayer and the Lord's Prayer enters. It says, I know where I get stuck, and I'm stuck. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And it assumes that, that God will meet us in that place of temptation, of addiction, of attachment, of our sin. That God meets us there and helps us through it to move us into greater wholeness. God is, is with us, saving us from ourselves, moving us into the image of Christ, into our true self, who, we're, who we were created to be. We need this prayer to keep this prayer close to our hearts because it is the prayer of a person who knows who they are, faults and all. It is the prayer of a person who understands the, the gravitas of their lives. That the choices I make internally, the, the ways I direct my life and my attention, that matters. That matters to 
to God, that matters to me, that matters in this world, in this larger scheme that I am a part of. I don't want to be led into temptation. I don't want to be to succumb to evil because I want to bless, because I want to heal, not wound, not injure. I want to be the presence of love. Praying this prayer leads us to agree with the Apostle Paul when he says, Therefore, I am content with weaknesses and hardships, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Over time, as I've worked with my own story, my own self, the Enneagram, my own addictions, I've learned that, that when I come to pray this prayer, when I feel temptation, it's an invitation to turn to God, to say, hey, I'm stuck and I need your help. It acts, these things in my life act as little warning bells that I'm getting caught up in ways that are leading me away from God rather than back to God. And to live this prayer and to live in this way and to pay attention to those little invitations is to remember that we are not alone. It's to learn that at the end of our own trying to get better and get over it, the end of all of that is the beginning of God's presence in our lives. It's to remember that we are not alone. And so I'd like to read for you this poem, this beautiful poem I think I have read on a Sunday morning before, but it's felt particularly important to me in this season when we are so close to our homes and we are so close to nature, when we are so close to ourselves in a way most of us never have been in our lives. The poem is called Everything is Waiting for You by David White. Your great mistake is to act the drama as if you were alone. Your great mistake is to act the drama as if you were alone. As if life were a progressive and cunning crime with no witness to the tiny hidden transgressions. To feel abandoned is to deny the intimacy of your surroundings. Surely, even you at times has felt the grand array, the swelling presence and the chorus crowding out your solo voice. You must note the way the soap dish enables you or the window latch grants you freedom. Alertness is the hidden discipline of familiarity. The stairs are your mentor of things to come. The doors have always been there to frighten you and invite you. And the tiny speaker in the phone is your dream ladder to divinity. Put down the weight of your aloneness. Put down the weight of your aloneness and ease into the conversation. The kettle is singing even as it pours you a drink. The cooking pots have left their arrogant aloofness and seen the good in you at last. 
All the birds and creatures of the world are unutterably themselves. Everything is waiting for you. Everything is waiting for you. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a prayer to just step into everything that is waiting for us. Everything that God is holding to become the presence of love in our world as we so desire to be. May it be so. Amen.